Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, should I press got it? Got it. Got it. Okay. My name is Sarah, and I'm an alcoholic. I said that. I have a sobriety date of May 4th, 2017. May the 4th be with you. Um, on May 3rd, on 2017, I woke up under a tree somewhere in Garden Grove, Anaheim, somewhere by a Kim's piano. I don't know. Um, I woke up, and um, I had no other ideas. I had no other options. I was so sick and tired, and... Um, that's what preceded me to finally get sober. But rewind a little bit. I am a girl from Minnesota, a really small town. I grew up catching frogs and climbing trees and going into rivers and climbing into people's like window wells and catching skinks and uh, salamanders and stuff. And I have a, a family. My dad is a real one, a real alcoholic. And um, my mom is my mom. And um, so from an early age, like I knew alcohol, drugs are really bad. Like I watched the way that it unraveled with my family. I watched the way that my dad responded and reacted. I remember being like five years old playing with this girl, Sadie. And she was like, are you going to smoke and drink like your parents? And I said, no, no way. I can never do that. Um, and, but life continued to progress. I moved around a lot as a child. Things were like rocky and weird, but I always knew like alcohol is not good. Um, but you know, I tried it here and there. I have like two re remembrances of my first drunk. One was I was with my, some friend. My mom was, um, it brought me to her friend Tessa's house and we were listening to Sean Paul temperature. I remember I drank a bunch of beers and I was whisking my hair in a circle and I hit my head and passed out. And then I have another remembrance of a first drink where, um, my mom always wanted to be a part of, she wanted to be like part of the friend. She always wanted to make a connection with me. It was really hard for us to connect and, it was, I was 11, I was going to, my, going to my friend's Carly's house for New Year's Eve, and she's like, wouldn't it be fun if you guys had wine coolers? I was like, mom, that's an incredible idea, let's go, let's go get some. And so we stop, and they're like B&J wine coolers, and we brought them, and um, I had two, and it was enough to get my 11-year-old self drunk, and in my little friend group, I always compared myself to their families to them what like money they got for like school shopping back to school shopping and um the houses that they had we we're at carly's house and carly's house was huge it was beautiful and you know all these things are always going through my brain and i remember um uh, feeling my first drunk i looked at myself in the mirror and like i wasn't thinking about carly i was thinking about how hot i was at 11 years old i was so ecstatic i'm like damn wow my little crush at school like I'm gonna go up to him and talk to him I had all these th those cool thoughts and you know we're coming down and they found like the bottles and everybody um all the parents were pissed nobody's allowed to come in my house anymore um but the party had to continue you know and like I I knew it was wrong it felt wrong it did not feel right afterwards but in the moment it did so um of course I forgot and I just kept getting swept up into this um into this idea of, of drinking and using and partying. And um, I had a lot of hard time with friends because I was a very selfish, like 11 year old, 12 year old. And um, me and my dad ended up moving into this small little trailer in the town that I grew up in. He lost his job, alcoholism, so on and so forth. My mom moved away and it was just me and him in this trailer. And um, my friends didn't want to be friends with me anymore because I was too depressed. So I found a new group of friends and this group of friends um, they partied and they were nice though. And they wanted me to be involved. And um, 
so we cooked up a plan together and we learned how to like buy stuff off of the dark web and um things got crazy and then I moved in with my sister and then I moved in with my boyfriend when I was 15 and I moved in with a friend and I moved back in with my sister then I moved back in with my dad and then I moved in with my grandma and then I moved with my mom so on and so forth right and like my disease is progressing and progressing like now I have this unrest inside of me that I need to satiate and I had no idea I had already crossed that invisible line. I was already, I already lost my power of choice and use. And um, my, my alcoholism, you know, turns into like drug favors, party favors, so on and so forth. I'm at a party, there's cocaine. I'm doing cocaine, I like cocaine. There's no more cocaine, I need it. I will do whatever. Um, somebody has something that was similar to cocaine, but it's not quite cocaine. It was meth. And um, <laughs> nothing else mattered after that. I thought it cured my depression, maybe skinnier, better, faster, smarter, all the things. Um, I was working as a line cook and I was really proud of myself for that. I could handle the back of house, kitchen. And then I turned 18 and then um, I was in front of house. I was really proud of myself for that. And I had this like closeted meth addiction that nobody knew about. And like I hit it as well as I could. And at that point in time, like school's done. We don't need, why would we go to school? We don't have school anymore. We dropped out in like 10th grade. Um, things were moving really fast for me. And um, when I was about 19, um, it was pretty evident that there was a serious problem going on. And um, after like doing more meth, you have to go find meth from tweakers, right? So like I started hanging out with tweakers and um, I couldn't hide it anymore. And it was just very evident. And um, I had a, a friend that went out to California to get sober. Thank you. And I thought that would be a really good idea. And um, I tried to get sober at home and I couldn't. So I, I flew out to California and, um, you know, they took my mom's insurance. Thank you, mom. And um, I came here and I, I flew here from Minnesota, very flat land. And there was like hills and it was beautiful. And I'm sobbing. I went to in and out for the first time. I'm sobbing again because, wow. And then they take me to my first <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. The first one I ever went to was in Northridge in the Valley. And um, I had a moment, multiple moments. I didn't know what the hell was going on in here, but like I started crying again because you guys were so nice and so considerate. And like, I really, 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 really wanted that. I did not have that growing up. I didn't have that with my friends. And I heard people, like I heard things, people said, get a sponsor and start working the steps. So I had this woman, Lonnie, and walked up to her, asked her to be my sponsor. She told me she's going to put me in the middle of the pack, in the middle of the herd. She took me to her trunk, gave me step one, call me every day. She says, and I, I started calling her and I, I called her twice and then something came up and um, it was my alcoholism, knock, knock. And um, my alcoholism told me to jump the fence, jump it, jump the fence. So I did and um, met the dude on the bike, dude on the bike, had what I wanted and I went to you know, do the things and um, I call this, this sponsor and I say, hey, I'm loaded. I'm out here. Can you help me? And she says, no, I can't. Like, I need you to be sober. I'm like, what are you talking about? And um, that's not what sponsors do. I don't even know what sponsors are supposed to do at the time. So I hung up on her and now I'm mad. Um, but like, that's my story over and over again for the next year and a half. I am unwilling to admit to my innermost self that I'm an alcoholic and um, I cannot concede it. I'm not willing to do what is suggested. I'm willing to do a little tiny bit, but then I'm willing to leave. Um, I will never get down on my knees and pray. I will never do more work in this program that you guys are asking me to do. And I always, always left without telling anybody what was going on. Um, so this proceeded until May 3rd. I woke up under a tree. That's where my disease took me. There's so many other avenues that it took me. I don't need to share them. But um, I finally got sober. I went to another, you know, detox. I went to another 
um, facility. I went to about 20 of them in total, if not maybe more. Um, treatment does not help me. I have a spiritual malady. I have an unsoothed spirit. I need a vast spiritual solution. And um, when I went to this next treatment center, um, I got a sponsor and I liked her tattoos, walked up to her, asked her to sponsor me. She said, yes, she came to my house every single week. We went through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and she took me through all 12 steps. And by golly, like I had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. I had an experience with that book um, and I've continued to have an experience with that book continuing on. Um, I was told to do whatever it takes in this program. And like, I didn't really want to be sober at first, but somebody at a meeting suggested for me to try everything for one continuous year. And like what they meant by everything is get a sponsor, work those steps, do what other people in the rooms are suggesting for you to do. I didn't have a car for my first year and a half of sobriety. I biked my ass to sponsor houses. I biked to Vons with both of the grocery bags, you know, wobbly. And then the chain falls off. I throw my bike down and I kick it and angry and <laughs> fix it and like all, all the good things eventually came but um it's been really important for me to not rest on my laurels in this program um also i was told that you don't fully work all 12 steps until you get a sponsor and take that person through all the 12 steps because the spiritual um awakening that i had on step 12 was magnified doubled when i took another woman through all 12 steps like the feelings that i felt while taking another woman through the connection that I had with this other woman, the connection that I have with my um, higher power moving through words cannot describe how, like, that's what I've been looking for. That's the high I've been looking for in my entire life. And um, what my life kind of looks like now is I have six years sober. Thank you. I have six years sober. I attend um, five meetings a week, if not more, I have five meetings that like people expect me to be at. I have a sponsor that I call each and every day. I called her this morning. Um, I have, sponsees that I get to walk through this step and like I have a connection with a power greater than myself and um one thing I do want to mention is like before I when I came into the rooms um I didn't want to have anything to do with the relationship with the power greater than myself but like I had a fight for that connection um the connection with the higher power for me did not just come out of thin air like I had to try getting on my knees I had to go on google and research random things I had to go around and pick up trash I had to ask other people I had to call other people I'm like I didn't want to call people in this program I didn't want to do the things like because as a result of doing the things that are suggested for us to do, like we get to have that life. And like, it's not a crock of bullshit. It's a real thing. I get to watch miracles happen every single day. Um, but it starts right here, right now, like what we're doing in each and every day of our sobriety. So it's really important for me to like get numbers and continue to reach out. Like this is an incredible meeting and incredible fellowship. There's such a liveliness and a friendliness here. Like I felt so welcomed when I came here. And I know for a fact that if you're new in this room, also welcome. Um, there's somebody, there's a woman or a man in this, in this meeting that I'd be so happy to help you. And I didn't realize that people were happy to help me until like I got a call from another woman who asked me for help. And I was so happy. And I'm like, wow, that, that maybe that's how other people felt. Like when I called them, um, the gifts of this program continue to keep um, giving, the, the giving tree, I don't know. Um, this program is truly, truly magical. And um, I'm really grateful that I just decided to shut up and do what I was told because like, that's the only reason why I have a sobriety today. And I still have to shut up and do what I'm told. And so many things continue to unravel, but I've never gotten bored in this program. There's always been so much for me to do, so many adventures to go on. And um, Ryan, thank you so much for asking me to speak tonight. Welcome to all the newcomers. Happy birthday and um, to all the people that took birthdays and congratulations to all the chip takers. And that's all that I have. Thank you. <laughs>
Thank you, Sarah, for being a great opening speaker. We will close the opening part of the meeting with the secretary's report, followed by our main speaker.